Welcome back to the Dr. Podcast. Come on, I'll allow I am your co-host, Spencer, joined by two autistic monkeys. He's touching my toes. He gripped onto my he gripped onto my pencil with his toes. Why would you do that? I wanted to see what you do. You did exactly what I thought you would. Grip onto my pencil and drag it away like a monkey man you are. As he was calling us monkeys. I have always been monkey. Bad term for people, by the way. I'm I'm aware. You are terrible. But you Me? guys are just fucking chimps. It's fine. Did you know that chimps can't cry? I learned Do you know that boys. you have a fat baboon ass? Yeah. Oh, he does. And he loves to just air it out like a baboon, too. True. <laughs> He's like, look at my baboon ass and just pulls his pants down. Literally. I mean, you guys talk about my ass so much, I figured, nah, they probably want to see it. Uh, we don't need to see it. Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros podcast. I am your co-host, Jacob, joined by co-host Spencer and co-host Colin. Say hello, Colin. Hi! Bye bye, Colin, make that make cost more than a dime. Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. Uh, this episode, we are discussing Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, which is the 2007 <gasps> sequel to the previous movie, well, Fantastic Four. Mr. Rad. What year did it come out? 2007. Wow. Came out, came out 2007. Uh, directed by Tim Story. And Sturry. Sturry. Story. Uh, Tim Story. He knows how to write stories, huh? No. Uh, with story by John Terman, uh, Mark Frost, and screenplay by Don Payne and Mark Frost. Uh, so, the last one. As we were opening up this movie, I said that the last movie I, like, low-key don't hate. This one I, like, low-key like. It's an improvement on most fronts. I really, most. I'm really pissed off that we got like barely any Silver Surfer. Yeah. Even though all his his scenes were really cool looking, it's just it wasn't. I don't know. I expect more from Silver Surfer. Even though I haven't read nothing, it's just he's just looks so cool. He's just got that cool boy era around him. I mean, yeah. his that last name is literally Rad. The, True. The effects were really cool, especially when he loses the board and his sheen, uh, the the gray mm. surfer dude looked mm. fantastic. Uh, especially his eyes, his eyes were black and there was like the little pinpoint light that kept moving around. Yeah. And it mm. looked practically done. Maybe. Maybe. Um, so, brief plot synopsis for what little plot this movie has. Uh, Sue and Reed are getting married and stuff, and there's cosmic stuff going on. There's radiation or whatever, and this little flying spermy-looking thing is running around putting holes and stuff, and they're like, oh, no, we gotta stop the thing. And then they find out that... the Not the thing. They don't have to stop the thing, but they gotta stop the thing. The and then thing they find happening. out that the, the thing, thing that's happening. is the herald of a big poop cloud and then Doctor Doom is like haha actually I am gonna be the twist bad guy and then they beat the crap out of him that's Barely the whole easily. movie and Tilfer Surfer stops the big poop cloud by the power of rising up against your master <laughs> basically it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna explode real good inside you <laughs> um that's what he did literally yikes so yeah um yikes I think, generally speaking, visually, it's it's a decent step up from the previous movie. It has a little bit less of a... The first movie could feel a little soap, oh, op- oh. soap opera-y in terms of like lighting situations. You, you forgot to mention a huge plot point. 
Sue Storm got naked again. Yeah, she did get naked again. Because, she did get naked okay, again. Okay, that's like my legitimately biggest gripe with the like, big, big, biggest gripe with this movie. Just like the last it's one not is enough. It's of not her being naked. It, no, no, the other <laughs> other way around. This these guys have no idea how the hell to write Sue Storm or how to direct her, and they write her as woman. She likes she's she's got wedding and baby brain, and like that's it. It's even worse than the last movie. Everybody else is pretty solid, though. The humor seemed kind of not as great this time around. Like, every time Johnny Storm opens his mouth, it's supposed to be funny, but it was pretty cringy this time. I actually I thought think. it was more funny than the last one. Ugh. I think I might have to agree with Jacob on this. Ha-ha! Wow. Um, I would... Besides your complaint... My biggest complaint is that Galactus was a big poop cloud. Yes. So I I want big, imposing purple man. Absolutely. But I don't mind, in the abstract, the idea of not reinterpreting Galactus as a big poop cloud because we can't have a big guy in a purple hat, but, like, Galactus is more of a force of nature. Because the way he is in the comics is he's not really a person. He is physically a dude. But his motivations are mostly just being a force of nature and, like, he does have to eat stuff. He doesn't really get much of a choice in the matter. Um, There's, like, if it wasn't named Galactus and the character wasn't known for other things, I think the idea of having a herald of, like, what is effectively, like... Death. Yeah, something like that. Like, that's vaguely interesting. I'm not one to actually figure out how to write that, but, like, there's an idea there, but turning him into a big poop cloud was very dumb, especially because these movies are already silly. This came out four years before Green Lantern, and par- it, it just felt like another parallax. Yeah. Um, definitely the biggest L, because the Silver Surfer, I think, is, like you said, visually pretty good. I think it holds up surprisingly well. Yeah. And oh, then yeah. The, the physical performance was from... Um, uh, Doug Jones, he also, he does a lot of mocap and, um, like, performance artwork. He also was Ape Sapien in the Hellboy movies. Yes, oh, yes he was! Uh, and then the voice is provided by Lawrence Fishburne, which was great. Yes. Um, as a kid, I had no idea it was two different people, so take that for what you will. As a child, I fell for it. Whoa. But, like, that was pretty cool, but just didn't do a lot. I think in the early in the earlier scenes they portrayed this power set really well. Like the he had an actual sense of like speed and intensity. I think the initial uh flight sequence, the the chase with uh the human torch portrayed a pretty good sense of speed and intensity, which especially for the time is pretty impressive for two basically entirely CG characters. Um what is going on? His mug is just broken. What happened? He, he has a drinking problem. <laughs> what just happened? I he spilled. just tried to sip it twice, and it came out of a different place than the sippy hole. Oh. Um, what else we got? Nice. I liked the Latvian set, setting that we got for about 15 seconds. Yee. That looked pretty cool. I wish we could get a whole lot of that. For sure. Kinda wish Doctor Doom had been left out this time around. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very dumb re-inclusion. Looks cool. Oh. Very stupid though. Yes. Uh. It's like I want to ride the board. He hated having metal powers in the last movie, and then wants to become the Metal Man. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, mm. In space. Doesn't track. No. Nope. 
Uh, the suits are still very sexy. I want to touch them. I kept saying it during the movie. I want to touch. They're very tangible. And it's not because Jessica Alba was wearing. It. No, I was talking about it when oh, Chris Evans was wearing it. <laughs> That's because it was his ass. No. Goodbye. Well, there was there was that one time. Um, That's fair. I especially like when Johnny Storm is chasing the Silver Surfer, and the Silver Surfer is showing off his six surfer moves, like floating through the board and floating through buildings and stuff. It looks cool. very cool. He doesn't have to leap over a building in a single bound. He can just right through it. And the effects still look good. Yeah. There isn't much to it. And I think that there's, yeah. a, there's a nice bit to that where it's like, it's... It's simple. It's not, like, it's not even offensively mediocre. It's just, like, there, you know? And it's, it's like... It's fine. This movie feels better than the last several Marvel movies. Uh, barring Doctor Strange. Yeah. Like, it just feels like it had so much more care and attention. Yeah, I'd rather have a high uh, a high effort like kind of mess than like a passionless like mid movie. You know, yeah. I think mm. most people are getting that sense in the past couple of years of like MCU products. Whether wh- whatever we deem to be those kind of mediocre products is different, but the general vibe of like you know at least this movie kind of has a personality. It might not work and it might not be great, but like there was definitely effort put in. It's really trying to, like, recapture, like, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man energy, but can you blame him? Oh, it's fine. I like that it doesn't overstay its welcome. This movie's ten minutes shorter than the last one. It's, it's literally 90 minutes on the button. Yep. Just zoom real zoom. quick. It's in, it's out. Just like your mom. Yogurt, <laughs> yogurt's going down Jacob's throat. All done. Uh <laughs> The so, the only because I was curious when I was younger. Uh, I actually had looked into the 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 possible sequel stuff. Curious when he was younger. You know what that means, boys. Shut up. Sex books. Oh. Sex books. Uh, so the there were plans uh, to have obviously a third installment. This movie still made enough money for them to consider doing another one. There is the idea of doing a Silver Surfer spinoff movie, and then also the third the third Fantastic Four movie would involve Wakanda. Whoa. And all sorts of other fun stuff. That'd be um, really cool because Wakanda is sciencey and shit. Yeah. So the from what I can remember, the reason it didn't get moved forward um, was some combination of the. Uh, I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was Jessica Alba who was just like, "Yeah, I'm kind of done with this" because this was not the. This was the second outing where she was kind of reduced to being a love interest and also needed to get naked multiple times. Mm-hmm. That was. Uh, Jacob and I talked about that on the first movie she she came out pretty publicly was like this was what I was trying to avoid it's like what happened with Evangeline Lilly in the Hobbit movie it's like I signed on to not be in a love triangle I'm in a love triangle just absolutely stupid but uh, then because the MCU was coming to fruition all the plans got shuffled around and whatnot even though obviously Fox had nothing to do with that um, I also read somewhere this is speculative I think but the role of whatever general is in this movie was originally supposed to be a Nick Fury uh, because one of the dialogue exchanges is actually an exchange that Reed had with Nick Fury in the comics. I don't remember which one it is. Played by Andre Brower, by the way. Yeah, fun stuff. He's a very good actor. Um, I enjoy everything I've seen him do, which is not a whole lot, but it's been good. I especially like it when he's a a, a deadpan gay cop. My my favorite role. Yeah. The best. Yeah. Um... So it's really interesting how this kind of turned out, because, like, 
three of the four roles were pretty solid, and then the rest of it just kind of fell apart. Real weird. Moving on to something a little bit more exciting, in my opinion. Uh, so we have She-Hulk episode two came out this past week. I think these episodes are actually way too short. Like this episode, see, uh, episode two, I really enjoyed, and I didn't. I wanted more, actually, surprisingly. Where, yes. Sorry. Where the first one, I didn't care, but the second one, I actually wanted more. Said something. So one, the reason they stated specifically they wanted to stay around thirty minutes was because they wanted to hit the you know like comedy. TV show runtime, which I can take or leave that. But um, this episode, actually in particular, I thought had really good pacing. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm, I want to see more, so I agree with you. Like, I'm, I, I'm always down for more runtime. But the pacing, like, scene to scene for me felt really good. There are a couple of, like, cringe jokes, but yeah, none sure. of it overstays its welcome. Like, I'm actually laughing for the most I part. Say, like, I still really like the humor in Yeah, this I was show. like, I, I'm at least snickering. Yeah, like, know? it's not like I'm dying, but it's like... <laughs> it doesn't even need to be that. I just need to at least exhale some breath out of my nose. Right. Yes. And then it's, it, it instead of lingering on those moments, it's not... I don't know, it's just not overplaying its hand, and I really appreciate that. Like, the, especially <laughs> the stuff with Jen's family, it doesn't <sighs> overstay its... It's real quick. It's like, oh, I'm dying inside, and then the scene's over. Yes. Yeah, and also the dad actually cares. The dad was nice. Cool. I liked that. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk is in space. That's something I was. I kind of wanted to speculate about. <laughs> I'm thinking if it's popular, if that is, it gets a strong public reception, they might be able to greenlight a project to show whatever the fuck he's getting up to. Because I don't think they'd be able to fit that in this show, no, and, I, and I think that would take off. the attention away from. Jim. I also like that they're shipping him off in the second episode. Like, all right, he did his part. Bye. That was a funny. That was a yeah. funny way to end it. Also, too. I really like that he got like that letter from the dude. It's like, yeah, we're all good now. Okay, so that's something I really, really, really. The thing in this episode, which I. Did didn't know about ahead of time was like uh, um fucking broth uh, like abominations like complete turn of character mm-hmm. i get obviously it's a comedy so that it's mostly played for laughs i really like where they're taking this not mm. just the character but also the plot because this is while it's played mostly for laughs it's like oh look this murderous like crazy guy is like kind of a hippie now I like he wants like he wants to yeah he wants to go live in a polycule off in like some random country and just chill which you know it's like relatable to an extent, yeah. Not really the polycule part, but, like, the wanting to go... I don't know what that means, but, yeah. Um, Seven people. Living oh, together. no, thank Banging. you. No, 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 no. The point being, it's gonna actually be about, like, some extension of, like, the, the justice system, and, like, they're, go- they're gonna, hopefully, at least dive into some bit of, like, Jen is really upset with, with, um, Abomination is, like, re- you know, you did all this stuff, and he's like, yep, nope, totally get that. You know, I'm trying to make amends, and Bruce is chill about it. Like, she needs to, in effect, like, overcome her own biases and, like, actually take the case for its face value. I'm really hoping they don't undercut it with him having a villain turn. That would kind of fucking kill me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I really hope they don't. I hope that they don't, if they're going to make him do some bad stuff, I hope they don't undercut the general uh, desire for betterment. Obviously... Every MCU property hints at something really progressive and then rolls and then rolls it back at the second half. They always do that every time. But Wait, is he hold on, I'm sorry to interject, but is he technically classified as a Hulk? No. I know he's an abomination, but like no. what makes him not a Hulk? Uh because he's not he doesn't have gamma exposure. Oh, because it's just the blood though. It's Super still his blood. No soldier serum. Nope. It was what made abomination. No, it's yeah. not. Yeah. Yes it is. In the movie, he also got 
not Banner's blood. Yes. In the first movie. Pull it up! Because, um, what's his name? Uh, it's a fucked Big up. Brain Man. Uh, he forced Big Brain Man to put it in him because he had Super Soldier Serum and he got uh, Hulk's blood. Because he already had Super Soldier Serum when he was yeah. fighting Hulk originally. Right. And then he eventually got the into becoming the Abomination. I need to revisit this movie. Yes. I think it would be the gamma radiation bit. I, I think that's the thing, as like the final kicker. Cause that's but what, she didn't get gamma radiation either. She got, No, Bruce literally said that's what he did while she was in the lab. Oh, while she was in the lab. Yeah, he was, he was testing on her and he blasted her with gamma rays. But she still became Hulk without the gamma radiation. Uh, kind of? Yes, she obviously, she, her form didn't change at all. Like, she turned into the Hulk, uh, and then he tested on her, and she still looked the same from when she became Hulk. Well, that's just the fact that she doesn't have the personality thing. That's why Bruce's Hulk comes out the way it does, is yes. because that's a that's a him problem. I know. That's the not classification what, of a Hulk is extremely not. That's it's, what a I'm non, it's a non. It's a non. That's what I'm saying. Eh. Is that he's technically a Hulk because of their classification is not a thing. Eh. Because if you're saying that she has to be a Hulk because she has another like. What makes a Hulk a Hulk is that there's another dude. Then she's not a Hulk. Right. No, I don't know. He's the line's Hulk. arbitrary. He's a bad guy. The line. The line is he's bad. No, guy. he's not a Hulk. He's an abomination. Exactly. Um, I just really like this. He's like a Hulk. the 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 jokes in all of the sequence with Abomination really landed, and I like the fact that they took the Shang Chi like little cameo and they made it into something. I don't know if that was planned, but they're, they're you know right at the end where they're like he escaped and was fighting in a tournament because that it's like. It doesn't one just keep it from like a meaningless cameo thing. It means it makes it plot relevant. Like that's gonna that's what the actual story is now about. It's not just her trying to defend him. It's also the fact that now this public information that he has broken out at least a couple of times from the raft and whatever other prisons he's been in. I just I think that's really interesting. I don't know if they planned that when putting in that cameo or not, but that's cool. It makes it mean something, and that would also explain why Wong has to come into play, because Wong was the one who was putting up Abomination in the fighting ring. So, like, circles. I haven't seen Shang-Chi. It's pretty good. It, it, the third act kind of falls apart. Not like I haven't said that a thousand times, but, like, yep. a lot of it's really good. Um, <laughs> I was thinking to myself this week, this is a total aside, and um, there was an online motion that got shut down really quickly and I was like and that was too bad because yeah they were being trolls about it but oh I liked the concept but the execution was dog shit damn it Spencer get out of my head literally every single time yep. so I was laughing on my way into work yesterday thinking that nice um yeah, I like it it's nice ah. I like the I like the post credit scenes just being played for laughs I appreciate that. Crap! I missed... It's just her helping her family move stuff. Yeah, it's nothing... It's just like, here, open this jar. Here, put my tires on my car. Here, put Mm. my TV on my wall. Literally, that's all it is. Which... Is there going to be a post-credit scene every episode? I would assume so. Yeah. That's two out of nine. Uh, I mean, the other shows didn't do it. Yes, they did. Depends on the show. Every episode? Not all of them. It depends on the show. Oh, right. Sorry, I misheard you. Um, I dig it. drawing Silver Boy. Mishear this! I dig it. Yeah, I like that it's simple, but is actually actually still doing stuff. Yeah, it's still fun. It's not like as long as it's fun, I guess that's all that matters. It's not like the first third of Wandavision that 
didn't really do anything. It just sold you WandaVision over and over and over again, mostly. You know what I mean? It just feels like this story's going somewhere. I like that it's going somewhere, but it's not really focused on the plot. It is more focused on getting a laugh. Also character. Yeah. It's definitely building up Jen. Which is good. I'm kind of impressed with it because... Oh, I really like the joke that they made where he's like, I'm a totally different person. Right. Literally. Literally. She's like, ha! <laughs> right at the screen. I was like, yeah. oh, I like that. That actually made me laugh out loud. I appreciate that they're not overplaying the fourth wall breakage. It's like two per episode-ish. This one had a weird one where she was following a guy. It was a, it was a trailing mission, and she was talking to the camera, and the other guy didn't hear. That was kind of weird. I the other times it had been everybody was out of the room or because yeah because the first one people no one was in the room the second one she was talking behind Bruce's back and then the third one was her also talking to Bruce on the phone and then there, there was that one yes eh it's just I got I get it I get the f- I like the joke where it's like yep and I'm gonna spend the next year worrying about whatever I have just agreed to there was a bug that was about to crawl up your toes it's probably a spider yes nice. I look forward to next episode. I want to see Abomination and his fish ears, but also I like the silly little hippie man. Hmm. Yes, I like both. <laughs> nice noises. Thank you. I really do appreciate those. It looks like Jacob's getting very excited to tell us about what he's been doing. Well, well what have you been doing, Jacob? Do you want to hear about a comic book based on a video game with deep lore? Or a comic book based on a video game based on deep lore. No, wait. Whichever it's... one is worse. Ah! Give me Dark Souls. He wow. guess, that was pretty solid. That was a good I, guess. I was planning to uh, do Dark Souls first anyway, despite what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it! <laughs> Alright. Uh, I read Dark Souls, the complete collection. It is a Titan Comics book. Let me guess, it's not actually a complete collection because they probably put out more comics since then. <laughs> I resisted the urge to do research on that. I'm sure you'll tell me in a few minutes. No, you won't. This book collects Dark Souls, The Breath of Andalus, which our longtime listeners may remember I've already reviewed. I got a $5 copy of it and did not especially like it. That was a while back. Oh, I hated that one. time ago. It was terrible. This book also has Dark Souls Winter's Spite, Dark Souls Legends of the Flame, and Dark Souls Age of Fire. Winter's Spite uh, has a guy. And, a guy? Yeah, a guy. And somebody stole his magic fire imbued sword. So he's tracking down the bad guy and ends up in this winter wonderland where it's being guarded by a, a dead guy and a whole bunch of dead people. And it turns out that some bitch was, like, in love with the dead guy before they were both dead. And he rejected her or something. So she put all her cold fury into a magic ball and made this world. Nice. Uh, that's why the bad guy stole the fire and beauty sword. Because he's trying to kill her and set all the dead people free. And she enlists the guy chasing down his own weapon to be her guardian and it got really confusing at the end with motivations and I think it was just trying to be clever with its twist and it sucked. The art was okay, but uh, actually... Yeah, 
the art was okay to decent. There are a couple of cool shots. Um, the only thing I had a complaint about was that the princess kind of looks like weeb shit princess art <gasps> instead of the rest of the artwork. It looked very out of place. Did not like. Age of Fire was really, really good. It is following a... Yeah, a silver knight and kind of explains how he becomes a black knight. <gasps> you see both in the video game. <gasps> Uh, this artwork stands out. Let's see who did it. Who did it? Credits. Artwork by Anton Kokarev. Kokarev! The story was written by Ryan O'Sullivan. Um, the story was kind of difficult to follow. I'm not even going to try to summarize it. But it has, the artwork has this cloudy feeling to it foggy um nelson no oh it's very tough to describe it's not painted it's not just pencils it's very unique i haven't seen anything like it hang on like it, it feels chalky almost that's digital yeah, well, that was my only complaint about it, is that there are a couple of times where it's clearly digital, and that stuck out from the rest of the book, because it's like, ugh, that is some awful digital art. It feels like when you're watching a 3D anime or something, and it's like, oh, that's, that, that's terrible. That digital art that you just showed me, I thought was really good, though. Right. Most of the book looks good, except for like, a couple of bad shots. It's painted digital, because, like... Depending on what brush or even custom brushes that you have within your programs, it can either look... Like, they're both obviously paint-looking, but, like, one you can make look like realistic painting with the different, like, uh, textures and stuff like that. And then there's this painting where it almost looks like it's different textures, but it's kind of, like, the same blended. It's weird. I don't know how to explain it correctly, correctly with, like, actual art terms. But, yeah. There you go. Okay, cool. Uh, last is Dark Souls Legends of the Flame. This book has one story kind of running through it, and it's got a bunch of witches telling a dude a whole bunch of stories. So it's just a collection of wicked short shorts. Wicked! Two, four, six, twelve stories in total. And then the, the overarching one. Uh, every story... There were only, like, four creative teams, basically, to make all these stories. So each each team got, a, like, two or three chances to do shorts. Um, the first one is the best looking. It's penciled by Peter Kowalski. And... Kowalski, status report. It just looks so good. Kowalski. Oh. Keep my hair. No, that's Interdimensional what... toothbrush. No, that's what Private does. No, that's what Kowalski did. That's not... What, never mind. Do you Pri not remember that episode? Private eats his ass. I know, that's but his like job. Kowalski uh, deep-throated a toothbrush in one episode. I didn't watch the TV show. That's the best part! Nope, the movie was really good. Fuck you! The show was the best part! Fucking asshole. Colin. Kowalski fucks, but he doesn't know what sex is. 
He fucks a dolphin. You wouldn't know because you don't know all the lore. <laughs> I, you don't know show. all the lore. <laughs> you don't know all the lore. At least I know all the Jimmy Neutron lore from the Grubhub ads. Um, I know. Oh my gosh. How much you buy book for? Hang on. Hang on. Hold. Ooh. Ooh. I really liked it. It feels like high definition pencils. He gonna rain on your parade. So, the other one that looks really cool. I like that. This one is amazing as well. Uh, Artwork by Danielle Serra, written by Cassandra Shaw. Watercolor. Caw? Shaw? Caw. Yes, watercolor. Looks so good. Especially when they have the black flame like that. Ugh. But each short story was like three pages long. It was super short and kind of didn't really do anything. It was just like guy finds other guy, kill guy, first guy die too. Nice. So, nice. eh, whatever. Um, Clock. Well, torture. It kind of drove me crazy that the artwork was all over the place, but because it's a collection of short stories, <clears throat> it's tolerable. This was probably the most enjoyable book out of the three of them. <sighs> Cover price is $35. I got it for $27. So, seven bucks off? I can't math. Um, it's fine. Is I? It's fine. I wouldn't really suggest buying it. <laughs> Damn. Definitely borrow it. Just to to look through it and say you've read it, but it, yeah, there's. It just feels like generic fantasy stories. It didn't really. There was nothing in any of it that made it feel like, oh, this is Dark Souls. Like, <sighs> there'd be a glimmer every once in a while of like, oh, that's from the game. I remember that bit of lore, but. The rest of it was just boring, generic fantasy. Mm. That sucks. Yeah. Mm. I Dark think I gave it two out of five stars. Maybe three, because the art carried it a little bit. Could be worse, I guess. Yeah. Call it. So I read DC The New Frontier, uh, drawn by Darwin Cook with Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart is another one of those uh, colorists. Oh, sorry. Darwin Cook was the writer and illustrator. Uh, but Dave Stewart is one of those colorists that is like on everything. Same with like Mike Spencer or Spicer. I can't remember his name. Anyway, uh, this book uh, takes place during like the 40s and 50s. And in the beginning, it has to do with... Uh, um, we have the JSA, where they're being kicked out because of this whole, uh, vigilante thing. Uh, the government doesn't like it, and the president at the time doesn't like it either. Uh, even though, eventually, he enlists Wonder Woman and Superman as basically soldiers, and boots Wonder Woman out, because she wants to actually change the world, and Superman's kind of like a boy scout. Wait, but what does this have to do with the Sokovian Accords? Nothing. <laughs> That's I know. It's a joke. You mess with brain. Anyway, <laughs> um, there's a threat coming. 
a big old, big old, uh, big boy, boy threat. A little big cucky boy that's been on Earth for a long time. No. Yeah, it's this living planet. There are living islands. There we go. Living island on the planet. It's going to destroy everything. And it was this island that Rick Flagg saved someone on back in, in the 40s. And basically, it's just a bunch of superhero stuff that happens within this, and at the very end, they fight the big the big bad guy. And Superman's not really a part of it. It's kind of like all the uh, B and C tier superheroes are a part of it. Like, uh, Green Arrow's there. Flash is not is A tier, but, like, he's there. Um, the Atom's there, but before he's the Atom. Dr. Fate and Spectre are kind of in it, but they're not really involved. Same with, uh, Billy Batson's in it. Like, Blue once. Blue Beetle. Uh, Blue Beetle's not around right now. No! Blue Beetle kill? Uh, he's not around. Ugh. He's, like, not around at all. Like, he, he doesn't even exist yet. Uh, yeah, and Aquaman's there, but he just saves Superman, basically. Like, at the end, because everyone thinks he's dead, but he, no, he just went to the bottom of the ocean. Uh, the bottom of the sea? Yeah. The only really cool parts I thought about this, like, the only things I thought were, like, really cool about this book where the John Jones uh, pieces where, like, he's up to Earth and he's being a detective and stuff like that and his involvement with Batman every now and then. Those were really cool. I loved those. And same with, like, we actually get to see... Um, I can't remember his first name, but it's Strange from that book, uh, Strange Adventures, that I read. What is his name? He's a space guy that gets sent uh, to, like... A planet by this like light beam or whatever. Anyway, the scientist thinks that think he's insane, but then every time they interview him, his story's the same every single time. They're like, oh, maybe he's not insane. And then Leslie Tompkins is like, oh, you're not insane. You can leave Arkham now. And then he goes and helps fight the bad guys. That I thought it was cool. I really liked his involvement in it. Um, I actually like the movie more than the book. The Whoa. book is fantastic looking. But the story can be difficult to follow sometimes, and there's a lot of words. Like, I do like reading. Surprisingly enough, I do enjoy reading, but there's a lot of words. And that lot. has been a turn-off for me getting the book, actually. Is I flick through it, I go, ooh, pretty artwork. That's a lot of words. It is a lot of words. And it and, sounds and like I, I'm memeing, but I'm not. <laughs> it's a lot of words, and you kind of get lost, because it's like, I could have sworn they already said this. Like, there's just certain things. Also, oh my gosh, there's certain points... A little white girl says the N-word. What? Yeah, because they're hunting down... Oh, the, uh, uh, but this book has to do with, like, racism and, and like, just, you know, the new frontier of life and the ha things they have to deal with in America during the 60s, uh, upcoming 60s. But uh, there's a superhero named, like, John Henry, or Vigilante, and he's, like, basically killing and wounding all the Ku Klux Klans. And eventually he gets so wounded that he's trying to run from them in this town, and then he, um... This little white girl uh, happens upon him in her backyard, and he's like, please, child, save me, and, or hide me. And then she's like, he's here! The N-word is here! And I'm like, oh my gosh! Um, but yeah, it, it's it's fun. I don't think I'll read it again anytime soon. I'll definitely flick, flick through it. But it's really, it's still a good book. Like, it's still really good. Especially, uh... What, there's a couple extra stories in the back that they actually could have... A couple of them they could have just added in the normal book, and I don't know why. It's the uh, it's the story where Superman is being sent to go fight Batman, and Selina Kyle 
uh, tells him that there's a storm coming, Mr. Wayne, and hel helps him get the kryptonite, and then he has this, like, little big battle with Superman and drags him to the Batcave, and he actually made, like, a case, and he made a case for Superman to be imprisoned in, and he almost got him in there, and they almost start like killing each other and then Wonder Woman shows up and she's like we can't do this and then Superman's like how can I trust this man when he has lead plates around his mask so I can't see who he is he's like oh okay I'm Bruce Wayne yeah you know that like little uh, neutrality uh, meeting you guys needed to have in between America and Themyscira yeah I was on my boat and I was there when you guys were talking about hunting me so it was cool I really like it the art's fantastic Wonder Woman's hot is Swamp Thing in here? No. Why? That would have been cool. But Wonder Woman's hot. The shorts are amazing. Um, muscle on me. It's a good book. I bought it for, I don't know how much, but it was... $35. That was a very... I thought I spent more on that. Very good price, I think, for that. It is a it's chunky a, book. It is a very chunky book. And oh, there's so much art in the back, too. So much. Fantastic book. I love it. 10 out of 10. What? 9 out of 10, sorry. I'll give it a 9 because there's so many words. 9 out of 10. <laughs> Collins. Too many word. Call 9 it, out of 10. Call it is literally the IGN rating. 9 out of 10, too, too much words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too much water. Too much water. Bad water physics. Spencer. Yes, sir. What have you done? Uh, <gasps> Do you have a theme for this week? Good question. Do Good question! <coughs> um, I read Green Arrow Year One, which is... Your mom? <sighs> I thought you said your as well. Your... Year One. one. <laughs> year One. Which is a modernized retelling, retooling of his origin story... Two. In a six-issue miniseries, uh, this came out in 2008-2009. Green Arrow is kind of a tool sometimes, though. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. It is written by Andy Diggle, with art by Jacques. Um, Did you say Diggle? <laughs> so, uh, it's a pretty well-known origin story at this time. Uh, he got... Uh, you have um, fucking Oliver Queen, rich prick... Uh, gets yeeted onto an island, has to survive. No, no, no. He liberate islands. He was doing his girlfriend's sister. <sighs> <laughs> he gets stuck on an island. He has to learn how to survive. Lots of archery metaphors and uh, poetic ponderings. Uh, he comes across, in this story, a massive drug operation... Uh, it's involved with his old bodyguard who tried to kill him and whatnot. Um, he liberates all of the literal slaves that are working there, working, uh, being a very vague quotation, uh, the, the slaves who are enslaved there. Um, it's just a pretty straightforward, uh, adventure. Like I said, six issues, pretty short. Um, so this is not a overhaul of the story, but it, it, it is a, uh, retooling and a redirection um this is very much so inspired by 2008's iron man like very much it has the vibe of 2008's iron man and robert downey jr's tony stark um not because the characters are super dissimilar in a lot of ways whether it be their billionaire playboy status 
the just the quippiness and whatnot. Uh, but th- there's definitely a, a lot of 2008's Iron Man sprinkled in here. Which Where pepper pots? No pepper pots. <gasps> um, and I I do appreciate the 2008 Iron Man vibes here. I think it works very well for this character, especially at the time. Where Rhodey? No Rhodey. <gasps> Green Arrow. Yeah, I know, but where's the the the, the comparison? The simile. Not the story, the vibe. Obviously. The character's vibes. Um, He's no fun. Jock uh, is definitely earlier in his career. Uh, This is one of his earliest things that I've seen anyways. Um, It's good. It's nothing fantastic. I think his covers are frankly a whole tier. (sighs) He did say fantastic. He said fantastic, guys. (laughs) I think his cover game is like quadruple as good as his, his interior art game. That's just a preference thing. Jock's covers are like one of some of the best I've seen, even for this book. But uh, his interior art is solid. It's just nothing amazing. It's very thick and blocky, um, lots of shadow and very little shading. Um, I just think it could have been a little bit longer. The thing with this book that it kind of was advertised as and it tries to sell you on is. Oliver Queen is a, you know, a, a useless silver spoon prick who doesn't know what he's doing with his life. He says things that no one else says. Like, he acknowledges that he's a piece of crap who doesn't have to work for anything. But, like, he doesn't have a direction, blah, blah. He then has to literally learn how to survive uh, as well as find a reason to live and a reason to survive. And he learns the value of life and all this sort of fun stuff, which is great. That's, like, the core of Green Arrow, and it always has been. But this book really tries to sell you on, like, him, you know, like, uh, your castaway. It's a lot of castaway vibes. You know, him sitting on an island, thinking to himself and pondering the meaning of life and all that sort of fun stuff, which I'm a massive sucker for. Ahoy there! Ahoy! We are castaways! The story just doesn't have as much as it as much of it as I would have preferred in the front end. It could have used another issue or two of that, in my opinion. He ends the first issue with like his first hunt. Um, it just it could have been a little bit more of that. Now, uh, when you say silver spoon type, I know what you mean because I've seen Scarface. Oliver Queen did a little bit of the. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, he was drunk in this book a fair few times, but he, he's a. He's a billionaire's kid who inherited his entire fortune in a company and bodyguards, and he doesn't do anything. Yeah. Literally. Except um, cocaine. And your mom. Uh, I think it's one of the better retooled, um, modernized, like, DC origin stories. It doesn't feel the need to overhaul the character into something it's not, which is, uh, say, Arrow, the show. It took this origin story from this book specifically, really leaned into it, but also just made him Batman, which pretty much everyone acknowledges that Arrow was just trying to sell Green Arrow as Batman. Green Arrow is not Batman, like, at all. He has some isms, which are similar. They're yes. only aesthetic ones. He's rich, he has gadgets, and he doesn't have powers. That's it, really. He's quippy, he has very different politics, he's very openly, like, obnoxious mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, and he has just a very different rogues gallery. All the stuff is different. So... I think this story manages to nail a balance between having to update it, make it a little bit more serious, but without losing the heart of what it needs to be. Uh, I bought this at Bull Moose, used for $9. I would have paid probably over cover price, which I think is like $17 for those. It's a good story. I want to find a... 
at least look in to see if there's I don't know, a deluxe version, a, a maybe, I don't know, a recoloring, something. See if there's any updated versions to this, because mine is from, like, 2010. Nope. Nice. Jacob yawned real good. Nope, I was trying to sneeze, and oh, also no trying to not sneeze, and it okay. went away. What else have you been doing, my I good sir? read Halo, the Legacy Collection, oh. made by Dark Horse Comics. It has... Ah. Halo Uprising, Halo Helljumper, and Halo Bloodline. So it starts out with the... Uprising, written by Brian Michael Bendis and arted by Alex Maleev. Names you may have heard once or twice before. Apparently this was the first Halo comic that uh, came out, and it was supposed to tie Halo 2 and 3 together a little bit. It explains where Master Chief's been for a while. Uh, the Covenant are have captured a dude, and he says... Uh, alright, but if you kill me, you won't know how to use the key of bliggity-blah. And they said, <gasps> the key of bliggity-blah, we must go get it. So they attack a planet, and they say, give me the key to the bliggity-blah. And it turned out to be uh, a thing that the guy and his brother had made up when they were kids, playing playing, playing uh, cops and robbers or whatever. And so the brother is like, I know what that is, get me to the military. And they eventually take down the Covenant ship that is attacking the planet. Uh, this story had Booba in it. Booba! Yeah, I knew that's what would get Colin interested. Um, very well written, very good story. I like uh, the Artwork was quite good, too. Uh, I'd probably give it this story a 5 out of 5. Helljumper is following the Helljumpers, and I don't know exactly what makes them different from the ODST. Spencer, I'm sure, could tell me. Helljumpers are ODSTs. Right. It's just the colloquial name. Well, they never said it, but they carried that vibe very loudly through the story, and I quite liked that um this one had kind of simpy vibes to it it was supposed to be like propaganda we're military together we're brothers and shit uh one of the guys is trying to transfer to like a teaching role so that he can be on the same planet as his waifu and by the end after the big adventure and they did a shooty shooty together, he said, nah, man, this is where I belong with you, brother. And it just felt gay. unintentionally gay. It was very funny. There's nothing wrong with that, but it, it wasn't what the story was trying to achieve. <laughs> Spencer's not laughing. I'm gay. not laughing. Ha. The third story, Bloodline, follows... The same kind of setting. These guys aren't ODST, but they've been uh, Spartans since children. Spartan training since children. And they're badass 
Master Chiefs together. And this one kind of has a sexy, but not really. Um, Hold on. Um, sir, did you know that the Spartans have a reduced sex drive? I don't like this. I don't like the vibes on this. I said kind of. Ew. Kind of. Explain. No, sir. Sir, how does break lore? Suck my balls. Wrong. Um, the artwork was a little bit jarring from the rest of it. It um, kind of has an over-digitized feel, but uh, after the first couple pages... You get used to it, and it's fine. It's good. Um, there is a monitor that is sucking up anything walking by for Ooh. test subjects. And he's kind of just collecting data and killing whatever. So the Covenant and the, the humans have to work together to get their brethren back. And... There's a new AI uh, who is named Iona, and it was really weird because her artwork, her her style, her look changed quite often, and it was explained in the story, but a couple of times I was like, I don't like this. This feels like weep shit. Um, but then other times she looked great, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'll send it. The AI has a bad version <gasps> they that, always do yeah um that kind of confuses the spartans a little bit and everybody starts shooting everybody and that was kind of frustrating they also didn't explain how the good ai kicked out the bad ai it's or it did it. the good side killed the bad side but whatever eventually they take the good side wins and they get uh, the prisoners back, and uh, the MacGuffin is safe. The I, maybe it was because I was reading it in a room full of people that were all talking to each other. But somehow the Spartans that died were back alive at the end. I think I definitely missed something. Maybe they all died. I don't know. Um, but this one felt the most Halo-y. Because it used the monitor and an AI, and a lot of the weapons are shown. Um, I feel like I've said the same thing about all three things and not really said much at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. I really like this book. Uh, cover prices, 30 bucks. That's what I spent for it at Jetpack. Being not a diehard Halo fan, I probably would have gone for like 20 25 but I do not regret the 30 bucks I spent. I think Spencer, being a diehard Halo fan, will enjoy this book. I'd probably nut all over it. Let's see who wrote Uprising, because I didn't... Or Bloodline. Writer was Fred Van Lent, and artist was Francis Portella. Helljumpers was written by Peter David and arted by Eric Nguyen. So that is that. Colin. What? What else have you done? Fuck. Um, you have? Tell me more. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, a question? Yeah, give me a question. A question. Yeah, give me a question. If you were to write an Elden Ring story, what would it be about? Oh, what would happen? Ah, uh, that's... That's difficult because I'm still very hazy on the lore of Elden Ring. I don't care. 
Um, oh, Apparently, be, nobody used Dark Souls lore to write the comics, so... It would be a great story. I would love to have a story about Alexander the Great Pot. Okay. He's, do you have you... Do you have you met him yet? I don't know. He's this giant pot man. Okay. He's a giant jar. Yes. That you have to kick his butt, at, like literally hit his butt out of a hole, and you guys oh, be, yeah, become yeah. best friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Alexander the yeah. Uh, Great Jar. It's basically Onion Bro from Dark Souls. Yes. Yeah. Except he gets hit once. And he's like, oh, I have to get stronger, and you find him eventually, and he get, gives you katana in, in uh, molten blood or Ooh. molten lava because he's trying to train. I want to see him become like a great warrior. And also, like, find his way to become an Elden, uh, Elden Lord. He becomes that dwarf that's stuck in the barrel and is, like, becomes yeah, yeah. the blunder knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just spinning around. But yeah. it's the the jar with the katana. But no, he gives you the katana, though. Okay, so, well, if he's going to be this great warrior, what kind of weapon is he going to have? Giant hammer. Oh, Harley Quinn style. No. Thor style, but, like, with large pommel. So, and it's a so giant not a long hammer. handle, it's a short ha hammer? No, 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 no. It, it's like a medium. So compared to him, it is a short hand okay. handle. Okay. Because he's so big. Right. And it's a giant, like, uh, hammerhead. Right. But it looks small to him. Right. So he uses that. But he can and still two-hand it. And he has, no. Well, yeah, he probably could. Because you can still two-hand uh, Thor's hammer, depending on who draws it. Anyway, he has that, and he has, like, lightning, ash of war, and... He's just Thor, but a giant jar. <laughs> and what is his quest? Uh, his quest is to be the greatest warrior. So who's he gonna kill to become the greatest warrior? Everyone. <laughs> just levels the whole world. Just yeah. kills everybody. He's the last pot standing. Yeah. Okay. How many issues would this take? Five. Wow. Or six. Right. Be sure. Yeah. But at the very end... It would never succeed because it only takes one hit to break this jar and he dies at the very end that's so sad mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm literally crying right now mm -hmm. tears are streaming off of my i chin. know i know i'm such a good writer colin is like i any story i write will be tragic because then everybody will die inside and know how i feel you know what's funny yes that's exactly how it is because <laughs> i love uh writing characters that are tragic how much would you sell it for? <gasps> it's raining. Fifteen bucks. That's not bad. I would. I would buy. Because that's a normal trade, you know. If you're yeah. gonna, if it's a normal trade yeah. and it's like a mediocre story, it, it, you at least have to know what you're selling and be like, this is worth fifteen bucks. How you many know? variant covers would you include in the back of the book? Um. Well, that would hike up the price. I don't think so. If the, you only do like. Five alternate covers? That's, what, three pages? Or maybe there's more artists, more covers. Well, that's why I ask. How many alt covers? Well, ten. It's not going to be like TMNT Last Ronin, where it's like 150 variant covers for six issues. It's probably ten. All right. Probably be ten. And uh, maybe a little bit of the sketchbook, too, in the deluxe version? Uh, yeah, probably a little sketchbook of, uh, you know, the big jar man just, like, killing and being sad and... Having a good time. Big Jarman and Hellboy standing side by side. Yeah! Yeah, that would be a cover. He, that is very enthusiastic. He's really into that. Because now I kind of want to do this. <laughs> don't get him Don't get him thinking, man. You've made a mistake. Spencer. Yes. What have you done? 
Oh, and then Spencer Ooh. can help me write it. Like, oh, he's helping me write the space adventure. I got Spencer interested now. And he's like, <gasps> talking frogs? <gasps> They're also books? <gasps> More Green Arrow? No. <gasps> Green Lantern? I read Batman vs. Robin Road to War. It is a collected edition of Teen Titans. Uh, that would be the rebirth line. So 43 and 44, uh, Teen Titans Annual Number 2. Uh, Detective Comics 1032, 1033, 1034, and Batman 106. So this uh, came out very recently, but all of these issues were published last year in 2021. Uh, it is a multi-part disjointed story. Uh, it is about Damien, uh, Damien Wayne, Mr. Robin Boy, uh, kind of losing him. He gets lost in the sauce, you see. Lost so, in the sauce? So Damien, we all know, raised by assassins, blah, blah. He bonds with Batman and Nightwing, and then he turns out to not murder people. He's calm, and he's fine now. But after working with the Titans for a certain amount of time, he's just starting to realize that the methods are ineffective, and they do need to w rule via fear. Um, he Imagine has done. Imagine Talia Al Ghul as mommy. He has. She is mommy though. He has done a whole bunch of crazy things in said Teen Titans run, which I won't get into. Um, that's not specifically relevant, but he's kind of just been slowly going off the deep end. He uh, kills somebody. Um, and he is just going, you guys need to be on my side, I need you to understand why we're doing this, and then Batman comes down and is like, Lamau, son, you're cringe, and then Damien's like, no, dad, you're cringe, I'm not Robin anymore. That's basically what this story is. Um, which I think is a really interesting premise, because it sends what is still, despite having been around for over a decade now, one of, uh, comics' most hated, like, main characters, being Damien Wayne, and puts him in a really interesting spot to go... Uh, soft, soften his edges, get a little bit of a personality, and like, just explore his character more and give it more depth. Um, it also means that the Titans get disbanded and Batman is more traumatized. This also takes place uh, after Alfred uh, has been uh, deaded, deaded, Kill. Uh, which Damien was present for. He watched it right in front of his face. Where were um, you when Alfred killed? Batman wasn't there. Damien was though. Um, so he's just really traumatized and fucked up and blah, blah. Uh, the thing with this story that's really annoying is that it's broken up into multiple different runs and it's not even like primarily in the main Batman run. Uh, I get it being in Teen Titans because the beginning part has to do with the Teen Titans, but then a lot of it takes place in Detective Comics and it just, it doesn't come together well. Uh, there's a few different writers. It was primarily Joshua Williamson, uh, and then a bunch of different artists. No one I remember in particular, sorry. Um... It was all fine, nothing, it was all, you know, solid, decent art here and there, some cool designs. I have read a lot of that Teen Titans run, it is really good. Um, it just, the fact that such a really big thing, like a Robin killing somebody intentionally, uh, is left to, like, kind of the sideline is disappointing. Um, this is technically a prelude collected edition to the Batman v. Robin event, which we did discuss last week when it got announced, which will be happening at the end of this year which is the conclusion of uh, Damien's arc of self-discovery and his own solo run, as well as um, a bunch of shenanigans with Deathstroke and whatnot. Him and Batman are reconciling, kind of. It's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I like 
how substantial they're they're trying all the writers are trying to give the, these actions weight and consequences and again alfred is still dead he's been dead for a few years now he's staying dead um they're really leaning into having emotional consequences for these characters and all the different changes that the bat family is going through it's just kind of a shame that this wasn't planned out to be like a full book like initially i just think that that's kind of doing it a disservice um, and that just kills the momentum because the art shifts around. It's all pretty similar, but it shifts around enough. The pacing is a little different in each issue because they're all from different runs and whatever. Uh, I bought this at Jetpack for cover price, which is $17. I would say getting it on a sale, if you're interested in the story, is probably worth it for like 10 12 bucks. It's solid. It's just not something I plan on. I'm going to revisit it one more time before I read the actual Batman v. Robin book when that's out. And, like, I might peruse it for shits and giggles. It's just not... It, it's spinning its wheels. That's kind of the... It's a placeholder. It, it's it's supposed to sit there and be a treadmill before the actual, like, real stuff happens. So, set up, you know? Me. It's fine. Fine enough. That is the end of the show. If you'd like to support this show, uh, feel free to go to patreon.com forward slash dimecomicbros. Uh, we have two patrons to shout out. We have Jeff Lorenz and a new patron, Caitlin. Uh, all of our patrons get different uh, rewards, including exclusive content, early access to all of our podcasts by a few days. Uh, you get a sketch done by Colin. Uh, Caitlin, yours will be uh, on its way shortly. Colin wrapped it up a few minutes ago. Uh, you also get, so obviously, obviously, you get your name shouted out every episode. Um, you get stickers. Those will also be on the way shortly and a whole bunch of other stuff. You also get a big backlog of our other podcast, Diamond Comic Bros. Happy Hour, which is the podcast that we do every week shortly after this one where we just hang out, have a beer, talk about a random question prompt or just weird bullshit. Uh, that is exclusive to our Patreon, so go ahead and check it out. Uh, also, check out our website at dimecomicbros.com if you want to send us an email for whatever reason, dimecomicbros at gmail.com. Follow our Twitter and Facebook for updates, teasers, and all sorts of other fun things. Uh, a big shout-out to our partners over at Jetpack Comics and Games in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire. The folks at the Megastore would love your support. Go say hello. Ask them for a recommendation. Tell them what you like. Tell them what you don't like. Tell them to find you a book. They'll find you a book. Say hi. Say hello. Say I love you. Maybe don't do that. I would. Father. Father. Um, Rich. <laughs> Next week is a news week. We'll be discussing the next episode of She-Hulk and more stuff. So tune in for that. And then after that, we got to do Fan 4 Stick. That's going to be a blast. I think we should do a commentary for that. Ugh. Fan 4 Stick? Just throw the microphone on while we're watching the movie. Throw oh, it on is it Patreon. the shitty one? Okay. The no. real, yeah, the really uh, shitty one. Oh, yeah, I that. had high expectations for that one. Too. We will discuss like, that when we get uh, to I think that's going to be a, actually... Like, I've never seen it. Oh, boy. I think this is going to be a really fun episode. So that's in two weeks. Next week is lots of news. Methinks. Methinks. what next month's flavor is going to be? What? Cock. (laughs) How do you know what cock flavor is like? You would never know until it hits you. Even after it hits you, you still wouldn't know. I'm see. pretty sure cock just tastes like whatever soap you wash it with. Nope. How would you know? <laughs> Have you tasted your own cock before? Have you? I wish. <laughs>
Okay. Again, and I'm the gay one. Welcome back to Dime Comic. Yes! Velocity, like your mom's butthole. It is a sign from the gods. Unplug it. You unplug it. I will unplug Colin. He's Do not, not forget to plug it back in because <laughs> my yogurt went bad last time. Oh no! Oh, no! Yogurt's bad, anyways. Yogurt's You're good. Bad. Fuck you. Yogurt's fine. Yogurt Greek yogurt's is great. great. Yeah, I, I only eat the like low fat or is it like the light? Low light, whatever it is. It's the it's Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt's so good. I think it's a consistency thing. It just bleh, feels weird in my mouth. I don't like it. You heard it here first, folks. Jacob does not like the consistency of cum going down his throat. Yogurt. So I read, uh, Justice League: The New Frontier. Could you say that while not exacerbated? I. No, no, no. Shut up. Fuck. Shut uh, up and do your review already. 